myself, I've been running after one thing To find that part within that I'll measure up to something I've got a lot of dreams, but I was told I wasn't practical I couldn't measure up because of all my flaws But I know the wrong is the only stepping stones Life's the art of embracing these things, yeah Gretchen Rubin, welcome to the podcast Thank you for giving your time coming from New York City. We have a, we got to give a shout out to our mutual friend Jen Lerner for making this happen. And yeah. and Jen Jen and you are very similar. She's told me about you just the just the energy, the smile, the the, the contagious, you know, just the positivity that you bring. It's shown through your books and what people might not know too is Kansas City natives, me and you. Yes, there right. You yeah. So what's your favorite yeah, barbecue? I'm so happy to be talking to you. Likewise, what's your favorite barbecue in Kansas City? That's what you ask all Kansas Ooh, I think Q39. Q39. It's hard to pick, but Q39. Yep, and you've been back recently because it's one of the newer ones. Nice call. Oh, yeah, I go back all the time. Yeah, Love it. Love us. Gretchen, start us off with a bang. So everybody knows about you being one of the top authors in the world, multiple-time New York Times bestsellers, great blog, podcast. But start us off with something that maybe not necessarily everybody knows about you, something something. Something different, Gretchen. Well, I'm really preoccupied with color. It turns out there's a huge literature um, about color. And I just, out of nowhere, a couple of years ago, I became very preoccupied with just the beauties of color. And so um, it's just this odd, quirky little subject that I end up spending a lot of time thinking about. That's incredible. Isn't there a book? I, it's either called Joy or it's called Color where they talk about how impactful color has been on societies and there's stories of it just adding color to cities, which changed the whole trajectory of the way the city operated. Like, is that, like the power of color, uh, touch on that real quick. Like, what have you learned from this infatuation with color? Well, one of the things that's interesting is just how it's, it, it, it's so hard to define. Like, I, I have, a, uh, I have a, what's called a visual dictionary, and so it'll have, like, a staircase and it'll tell you the name of every piece of the staircase or it'll have like clothes through the ages and it's like all the things you're like I never knew what that was but that's what that thing is and it didn't have a section for color and I thought well that's so strange because of everything I would like a name for I would I would like the words for colors but I think the reason they don't have it is that there's really no way to say what burgundy is like we can kind of generally agree on burgundy but what one person calls cobalt and what one person calls sage and then also, like, you say that things are olive, but of course, olives come in, or apple, you know, they come in so many different colors. We sort of decided that one color is olive green. They come in many different colors. And so there's sort of this indefined, ineffable quality to color. Like, we all see it. We feel the power. We, we're drawn to it. Um, and yet, if I say sky blue, um, what are you going to think? Also, so interesting, in English, we have pink and red. And in Russian, they have the same thing for blue, uh-huh. but we don't have that. Yeah. Wow. How inter- isn't it interesting how words can mean different things? It's just what we are taught as yeah. we grow up. We have these connotations with words. That's that's incredible. I'm going to start looking into that. Thank you, Gretchen. When was your when was your breakthrough moment? When did you feel like was there a time in your life that you felt stuck that you didn't necessarily know where you were going, where you were headed? And we'll dive into the the amazing opportunities that you passed up to follow your passion, follow your dream of being an author. But there was, is there a defining moment that sticks out to you? You're like, man, this was the moment that I felt this breakthrough of who I've become today. Take a quick break in the podcast because you know what I love? 
almost more than anything, is a great cup of coffee. Oh, I just wake up excited for my coffee. You know what I'm talking about. If you're a coffee person, if you're not a coffee person, you need to kind of just check, uh, yeah, yeah, check your priorities. But what else do I love? I love workouts. I love training. And what if you could put workouts and coffee together? You always thought about like, you know, coffee is just this natural pre-workout and then you got pre-workouts. What if you had the best of both worlds? Well, now you do. Workout coffee is finally here. I wish I would have created this. Such a great concept and idea and where nature meets science. And all the workout coffee products are powered by Theofit, which is a high-potency Theoflavin enriched black tea extract that is patented and clinically proven to improve exercise performance and reduce recovery time. So the question is, what are theoflavins? Great question. Naturally formed from the oxidation of tea leaves, they've been shown to have strong antioxidant and anti-inflammatory effects, as well as supporting liver health, blood lipids, and the immune system. So think about that. You're getting all this and coffee, the taste of coffee, the energy of coffee, the cat, like, uh, my mind is blown. I am going to wake up in the middle of the night, have a cup, have a cup in the afternoon in the evening, like keep it coming, workout coffee, check it out, workout-coffee.com. Look at the, the, the links in the show notes below. We are going to have a discount code for you in there too. Check them out and get your coffee today and your workout on. Now, back to the episode. I think the moment where I felt the biggest breakthrough was when I got an agent. So, you know, I started my career in law and I was working in law and then I, I became very preoccupied with an idea for a book. And this is sort of a theme. I get very preoccupied with ideas and, and will kind of pursue them relentlessly. And I was working on what became my first book, even before I knew that I wanted to be a writer. I was just sort of doing it in my free time. Then finally it occurred to me, hey, I'm doing the kind of work that a person would do if they were going to be a writer. Um, maybe I could write this book and get this book published. So I got a book called How to Write and Sell Your Nonfiction Book Proposal. But the thing about being a writer is like many things, a lot of people do it, but they're not really that serious about it. Like maybe they're kind of goofing around and saying like, I'm working on a screenplay or whatever. And I was like, no, but I'm really doing this. But it's like, who's to say, what does it mean to be really doing it? But when I, it's very, very hard to get an agent. And I, I tell people all the time, it's harder to get an agent, a literary agent than it is to actually like get a book contract because it's, it's sort of, it's, 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 just a, it's more difficult, I think for many people. But once I had an agent, it was like somebody had decided that it's like I was worth their time. Time is money. This person was putting their time into me because they thought that like I was, I was like I had become a client. And it was the first time where I felt like, okay, this isn't just like my dream. This is something that other people are like, yeah, I think she can pull that off. Um, and to me, that was like enormously like the, the, the morale of that, of being like, okay, now someone is kind of. It, like invested in me in a way. Um, not to mention that I got all this tremendous advice and moral support and, you know, strategic, uh, you know, like I, I had no idea how to proceed. I needed an agent for, for every, all for knowledge. But just the idea that I had an agent was a big breakthrough for me. Oh, that's great. It's a spark of encouragement where somebody believes in you, where you know you have it, you just need that little igniter. Man. It, but it was like other people believed in me, but she was, she was, banking on me right, right. you know like she, it was her business so it was like it wasn't just somebody being like oh girl you got this this was somebody being like oh yeah i think i can take this like i think i can sell this 
and and that was the difference for me, making me a professional writer. There you go, making you professional, coming from somebody that is a professional in that space, yeah. telling that yeah. you have it. Yeah. And rewinding the tape a little bit, like top of law school at Yale, you're clerking for Sandra Day O'Connor. I'm sure when you told people this, they all looked at it from the surface like, oh my gosh, wow, what? how amazing is this? Gretchen's doing so such great things. But that wasn't your true... The, the, your true calling, your true passion. It was the good keeping you from the great. Were there, were there whole, like things that came up or roadblocks where you felt like, man, how do I really shed, how do I shed this what other people think? Because you had to reinvent yourself. Just like I have it done in the basketball world to the author space. It's not hard or it's not easy to do. It, you know, for me, it was about, like I, re- I did have this idea for a book or, you know, this subject that I was so fascinated by. Like one day I was walking around the capital uh i was because i was working in washington dc and just kind of for fun i you know how you sometimes like pose yourself these rhetorical questions i thought what am i interested in that everybody else in the world is interested in and i thought well power money fame sex it was like power money fame sex (laughs) and all of a sudden i was like oh my gosh these this this subject which to me seemed like one subject power money fame sex like all i wanted to do was research it and think about it and take notes and then that ended up um, being my first book. Um, but for me, it was much more being pulled towards something than feeling like I didn't want something. So I went to law school for all the wrong reasons. It was like, I'm really good at research and writing. I'll keep my options open. It's a great education. I can always change my mind later. So I had a great experience, but I had never like set out to be a lawyer. So I, I had this great experience. I don't regret it at all. But I was sort of coming to the point where I had to decide what to do next. And there was nothing in law that called to me, but this project, like I, all I wanted to do was work on this project. And finally I thought, well, you know, I'd rather fail as a writer than succeed as a lawyer. Mm. So why don't I give it a shot and see what happens? So it was less about leaving something and more about moving towards something that I, that I could see that I really wanted. So good. That's obsession. And Jen has told me, she's like, Hey, Hey, Gretchen went all in. Like, you don't understand. You're like all in like years putting into this. And it's, I mean, it's a testament to what you have done and and you are a constant learner. I mean, being in a book club, I'm getting this great information from our friend Jen. And she says she's constantly learning from everything. I mean, even just the, the, the note of color, like you're learning from color. What do you attribute to some of the books, some of the great books that have impacted you in your life or some of the great people in your life that have impacted you on the journey? It's hard to say because I feel like I'm one of these people who like gets incredibly inspired by everything. Like I have, I, my favorite thing about myself is I have a lot of epiphanies where I'm like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, so some are, um, uh, I mean, one of my favorite writers is Samuel Johnson, you know, uh, Dr. Johnson, um, the 18th century English writer. And one of the things, like, in, he just says things just kind of offhandedly in his 18th century way that give me so much insight into myself. So one thing, he, somebody, he was at a party, it's recorded, and someone offered him wine. And he said, they said, no, will you take a little wine? And he said, I can't take a little abstinence is as easy to me as temperance would be difficult, meaning I can have none, but I can't have a little bit. And when I read that, I thought, that's me. That's how I am about sweets. I can have none or I can have all, but I can't have a little bit. And once I saw that Dr. Johnson felt that way, then I was like, okay, I'm the same way. And it's just like, and I quit sugar because I'm like, it's just easier for me to have none than to try to have a little bit. 
so that's something like something I read really changed, you know, you know, moved me and sort of transformed my way of understanding myself. And then sometimes somebody will just say something like I was having lunch with somebody who I don't even know. Well, she was like the friend of a friend and we ended up sort of getting to know each other. And she, and you know, I write about happiness and good habits and, and my sister calls me a happiness bully because if I think there's a way for you to get happier, I can kind of get up in your face about it. And so I was asking this, I was asking this woman like, Oh, what do you do that would make you, what could you do that would make you happier? And she said, well, you know, it's funny. I know I'm happier when I exercise. And when I was on, in high school, I was on the track team and I never missed track practice, but I, so I can't figure out why I can't go running now. And I thought, well, it just hit me like a ton of bricks because at one time it was effortless. Now she can't do it. She's the same person. It's the same task. Why? And I can think of, 15 reasons why, possibly, but what was going on? And that moment was just like transformative for me. I became so preoccupied with understanding that sentiment. Um, it led to my book, The Four Tendencies, because I realized that there were actually these four personality types. And she was my original example for the type that I, I ended up calling obliger. I didn't know she was an obliger at the time because I hadn't invented the concept. But without her, I'm not sure that I would have ever have wow. have uh, um, seen my way to understanding this personality framework. That's amazing. I mean, just drawing inspiration from any conversation. Hopefully, I can say something on this that will create your next book. Who knows? But Right. You, there you go. Let's do it. <laughs> Drop those pearls of wisdom. I got my pen ready. There you go. You, you see, you have two, two points about you that, that I think the greatest of the great have. You're curious. You ask questions. You're curious about things. That's what I think the great listeners are. They don't just they don't just hear. They ask questions. They're curious. They 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 dive deeper. And you're obsessed. When you get onto something, you're obsessed. You're all in. I think people shy away from that too. Balance, 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 balance is BS. The curiosity and the obsession. And I'm the same way. You know what's funny? People can be happy. Do you generally believe people can? be happy. They can find their way to happiness if they have the right tools, the right habits set into place. I'm very, in my empathy, I have terrible intuitive empathy. Like I just think people can be happy. People can be positive. Is that, is that a truth? Do you agree with that? What do you, what are your, your take? Uh, oh, you know that feeling you get when you just wake up and you are not rested or recharged? Yeah, we all have it. We all go through it. How do I wake up with full energy Every single day, it is literally the game changer itself, chilly sleep. I have an Uller that goes underneath my mattress and cools my body temperature to the ideal temperature to get deep sleep, REM, high HRV scores. Now, I have mine pretty cold at about 57 degrees. The optimal level is between 57 and 65 degrees. I have a weighted blanket, which just cools my body I'm just sleeping in restorative sleep. So when I wake up in the morning, no matter how many hours I get, I am juiced up and ready to go. And lucky for you, you can wake up the same way. The people at Chili Sleep are giving you a discount, giving you a code. So go to chilitechnology.com forward slash pages forward slash David Nurse to get your special discount pricing there. Remember, that is chilitechnology.com forward slash pages forward slash David Nurse, or just click the link below and it'll take you right there. It's sleep like a polar bear tonight. Get the best night's sleep of your life. Chilly sleep.
Well, research suggests that about 50% of happiness is genetically determined. So it's hardwired. Some people are born stickers and some people are born ears. And that, you know, they bring that into the world with them. Uh, uh, it's part of the genetic roots of personality. Then about 10 to 20% is what's called life circumstances. So this is things like age, health, income, occupation, marital status, things like that. And then all the rest is can be influenced by our conscious response and our actions. So um, I think that for most people, there are there's low-hanging fruit. There's things that they can do within their conscious thoughts and actions that can help push them to the top of their natural happiness range um, or kind of um, force them down to the bottom of their happiness range. Um, some some is in our control and some is not in our control. So, I mean, and, and it changes over the course of our lives. So, you know, it's always, my, what I always say to people is like, are you as happy as you can be mm. given your nature and your circumstances? Because nice. there may be things you can't control, but maybe there's things you can control. And I think for a lot of people, when they step back and think about it, there are things that are within their control that they can do something about, even if there are other things and, and perhaps more significant things that they are not able to that they are not able to control. So it's like, mm-hmm. let's do what we can with what we can, um, and just try to keep up at the keep to the top of our of our of our natural range. Super well said. Super well said. Talk to me on your podcast that you do with your sister. Your sister's incredibly talented, a Hollywood writer. Crazy we come to find out that my wife worked on the same show that she did. Tell the audience about yeah. your podcast and what your guys' mission is doing this together. Yeah, you're exactly right. My sister, Elizabeth Kraft, is half of a writing team. Uh, they are showrunners, and uh, right? They, they, uh, see and your, uh, your, uh, your wife was on The Shield. Um, which Elizabeth and Sarah Fane created with, um, oh, they just blanked out in her name. Oh, the, the prosecutor. Fix. The yeah, famous the fix. Pro- um, um, why can't I think of her name either? The O.J. Simpson prosecutor for everybody out there is yeah, Marsha Clark. Marsha Clark. There you go. Marsha Clark. Yes, they created <laughs> someone. Marsha Clark. Well done. Good. <laughs> I, I, it was the, the index card was not coming up to mind. Right. And now, and now she's created Fantasy Island, which yeah. is in season two. So cool. Um, so, right, every week, we uh, it's called Happier with Russ and Ruben, and we, for about 30 or 40 minutes, we talk about ways to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. So we look at the cutting-edge science, the wisdom of the ages, pop culture, and a lot of our own experiences, and it's very practical. So, like, our first segment is always Try This at Home, which is kind of like a practical, a, you know, mm-hmm. tip, um, exercise that someone could do as part of their ordinary day. Sometimes we do interviews. Sometimes we have know yourself better questions. Sometimes we have listener mm-hmm. questions. Sometimes we do deep dives into subjects that are really interesting to people. Um, and we give ourselves demerits and gold stars um, because <laughs> that helps us to do better in our own happiness. Um, so it's, it's really it's really fun. And we're coming up um, pretty soon. We'll be at our 400th episode. We've been doing it nonstop since 2015. We have not missed one week. We're very vain about that. Yeah. Oh, incredible, relentless consistency there with it. And relentless. Yeah. I love how you guys just have fun with it. Like I follow your Instagram and follow the podcast. You guys just have fun. Like you have fun. You have fun in teaching people principles that they can implement into their lives and be able to see this happiness, this, this life of joy that they live. That's incredible. Gretchen, I see you as a, as a visionary, someone who can see a few steps ahead of everybody else. So what's, what's big that's on your plate coming next? What are you really excited about? Yes, the podcast, but what else is coming up for Gretchen Rubin? 
Well, I just created an app called the Happier app. And cool. what it does is, so I mentioned that I have this personality framework. And it turns out that whether you're an upholder, a questioner, obliger, a rebel, makes a very big difference in what, what kind of tools work for you. Uh, David, I happen to know that you're a rebel. Um, and so the kind of tools, that, and I'm an upholder, which are very, they're very different. And so the kind of tools that would work for me might not work for you because you don't want to feel locked in. You don't want to feel like you have to check in every day. Um, and so um, it suggests tools, that, and there's a lot of tools that are meant to help people keep, keep their habits. Because what I found is that um, when it comes to happiness, like sometimes people need to figure out what they need to do to be happier. But a lot of times they know perfectly well what they should do to be happier. Totally. And the problem is, okay, but how do I stick to that? How do I, make, how do I do that? How do I make that a habit in my life? And so the Happier app is meant to help people find it like fun and easy and convenient and effective um, to give them the tools so that they can stick to the habits that will, that will make their lives happier. So um, this is brand new and I'm very, very excited about it. Oh, that is so cool. Well, I'm definitely going to promote that is right down my alley. Seriously, that is oh good. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, you knew I was a rebel. You're right. I do not like to check in. Uh-uh. Maybe because I yeah, can't follow right. instructions or orders very well. But that's another story. Right. Well, that's no, but, but that's what it is. That is what that <laughs> rebels are like. They they if you ask or tell them to do something, they're very likely to resist. That is the, <laughs> that is right there at the core of rebel. So yes. I am not surprised to hear it. Yes, Gretchen. As we wrap up here, we're gonna throw you on the rapid fire hot seat. So these can be super quick answers that come to your mind. The first one I have for you, do you have a favorite mindset quote or a mantra that has stuck with you or that you have on your bathroom mirror or kitchen fridge that stands out to you? Well, I have 12 personal commandments, and my first commandment is to be Gretchen. Ah, um, and yes. everybody has to substitute their own name, but I just want to remind myself. I want to accept myself and expect more from myself, but I really want to be true to Gretchen and not some fantasy self. Um, hmm. I want to be true to myself. So good. The most attractive thing in, in somebody is feeling so comfortable in their own skin that they make others feel comfortable in their skin. Be Gretchen. That's so true. Super good. What does leaving a legacy mean to you? Not necessarily the billboards or the fame, but what would legacy look like to Gretchen Rubin? I think that it's being the kind of parent to my, my – I have, I have really, really great parents. And um, I think that I have tried to be the kind of parent that would be uh, – the kind of parent – that would um, help my daughters to thrive. Um, and then I think, you know, I think good parents, it's, when you have good parents, it's easier to be a good parent. And so then I hope that's the legacy is that I, I, I hold up the standard that my own, my own parents, I feel, um, uh, gave to me as a child. Ah, that's the best answer you can say for legacy. Absolutely love that. Got a fun one for you here. You're at a dinner party. You get to pick three people that you want at that dinner party with you. They can be dead or alive, people you want to learn from, have conversation with. Who are the three people you're inviting? And most importantly, what are you eating? Is it Kansas City barbecue or what is your last meal? Okay. Well, yeah, okay. let's go with Kansas City barbecue. <laughs> I'll take the brisket. Good. And I would say Winston Churchill, Benjamin Franklin, and St. Therese of Lisieux. I do not think that they would necessarily enjoy each other, but I would like talk. I would like to talk to all of them. I love that. It's gonna be a high level conversation right there. Hey, tell us, tell us about real quick before we wrap up here about Kid Lit. What are you doing with Kid Lit? How can we support or any foundations, nonprofits that you are standing behind? Oh, oh Kid Lit is for me. I love children's literature and young adult literature, and it turns out a lot of adults do too. So these are just book groups that I'm in. 
um, where we talk about children's literature and young adult literature. So I love I love wow. kid lit, but um, that and I support libraries. So anything that I would support, That's... I would say get like uh, anything literary uh, literacy related or public library related because I think. Public libraries are one of our most important resources. So that's what I would point to. But Kidlet is just for me. <laughs> oh, that is so cool. Okay, that is what I was thinking. Yeah. It was like, hey, for kids or literature, I was thinking, wow, that's amazing. And yeah, I totally agree with you. Public libraries, we were talking before, like brick and mortar, Barnes and Nobles, we have to go support that. We cannot give in to the Amazon domination. Amazon's probably going to hear this. They're going to take all of my books off Amazon. But hey, go out to Barnes and Nobles, the public libraries. That's great. Last question I have for you, Gretchen. We ask everybody if you could leave a drop the mic, like a one word or a one phrase piece of advice. Somebody is stuck in their situation. They feel like they can't go on. They don't know how to get out of it. What is that piece of advice that you would give to them to make their pivot? It has to be one word. One word or one phrase. It could be something short. I mean, you could go something or it could be a a mantra. I'm going to give you give you some uh some leeway okay, i would say be whatever your name is yeah be, be fill in the brain that's it be david be gretchen be good be you know you. um jedediah whatever the name <laughs> is yeah fill in your own name that's perfect because it is too hard to be anybody else so why even try Gretchen Rubin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you for giving your time and thank you more for for all you do for for people, just showing them happiness and showing them a, a better life that they could live. So absolutely honored to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to have gotten a chance to talk to you and to talk Kansas City Barbecue. Yes, Q39. Check it out.